Hello and welcome back once again to the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. This is episode 171. John and Wendy talk to Tom Daniels. I'm your host, John. And I'm Wendy. How are you tonight, John? Wendy, I'm well. Hard to believe it is June. I know. I know. Where did May go? <laughs> like the rest of the year, it has flown by. Yes, it has. Wendy, we've talked a lot about our families on the podcast over the last many years, and it is really hard to believe. The show comes out on Thursday, the 3rd. My son Daniel graduates high school on the 4th. Wow. So it's a big week in our house. Yes. We're very, very excited for him. He's had a really great year, and I think many of you may be aware he actually had to do a oral defense of uh, of his thesis which was literally him speaking for 20 minutes and then answering 25 minutes of questions from faculty and other students. The teacher that facilitates those defenses told him in the 18 years that he has done it, it was the best he'd ever seen anybody respond to the questions. So that was super, super cool. Very, very proud. He is very set on what he wants to do. And unfortunately, he got waitlisted where he really wants to go to school. So he, hey, it happens. And he is- already signed up for summer school community college and is going right into it plan to attack to be where he wants to be next fall so awesome yeah a bit crazy time hard to believe wendy (laughs) we uh hiding our almost empty nesters you are what it's getting close and we never imagined i was talking to a friend of mine the other day who's getting his son registered for kindergarten i'm like dude i i just can't i can't even imagine (laughs) and he's significantly younger than me exciting time in the thurman household and Yeah, but uh, that's awesome. Wanted, wanted to share that great news. Yes, congratulations so. to Daniel, um, and hopefully that wait list gets lifted quickly for him, and uh, you guys can enjoy um, empty nest life. And let me know how it goes. I'm I'm not that far behind you. You're not that far behind. <laughs> you're you're absolutely right. You're not that far behind. And as one of my friends from high school pointed out, though, a son who's significantly older has moved back in. He's, you know, she kind of said, John, you, you may not be empty nesters for too long. Hey, that's, you know, that's how life goes these days. It, it, it is. It's how life goes. I think Tom is now our second guest in the last or the first part of the year to come back rather quickly. Uh, yeah. Some of you, hopefully most of you heard his appearance when Bowling Green State University uh, was on as our sponsor. And Tom took part in that conversation Tom's been such a great member of our community yeah. that we told him then, we're like, hey, we'll let the other guy give him the shine and then you can come back yeah. and, and we'll give you all the focus and you the spotlight. Really excited he's with us. Let's make the introduction and get started. Yes, I am super excited to welcome Tom Daniels back to the show. He is the Assistant Director for Graduate and Executive Program in Business at Bowling Green State University, BGSU, with a focus on admission and advising for the students earning their master's and doctorate degrees or in organizational development and change. Prior to BGSU, Daniels was the Director of an Executive Interviewing Center at MR Ops and Vice President of Learning and Development at TNS North America. He received his Master's of Organization Development degree from BGSU, and he is actively involved in his community. He serves as the Workforce Readiness Chair for the Northwest Ohio Human Resources Association, Toledo Sharp, Chair of the Alumni Connections Committee with the Owens Community College Foundation Board, and is a member of Avenues for Autism Board of Directors. 
When he's not working or in a board meeting, which obviously happens a lot, you can find him running or biking around town. He lives in Ohio with his wife and two teenage sons. Well, Tom, welcome to the show. Again, we are so excited to have you back. But our first question, as always, what is in your glass? John, Wendy, it's great to be back. Thank you so much uh, for the invite to be back. And tonight I am drinking a burning couch. It's an Irish red ale by local brewery, um, Bowling Green Brew Works. Uh, so naturally, of course, uh, uh, we like the local stuff, right? <laughs> yes. I, I love a good Irish red. Um, so yum. That sounds delicious. Does that name come from some type of uh, experience doing that, I wonder? Burning Couch. That is a very specific name. Well, you know, Bowling Green is a college town, John. So I'm fully aware. Yes. <laughs> so, so don't be surprised. And uh, well, uh, and by the way, I'd be kind of remiss to to, to say congratulations to your son, uh, John. It's awesome to to hear his experience uh, finishing up uh, high school and graduating, and and then looking at his next step. And um, as as will you heard, I serve on the uh, foundation board for uh, the alumni association part or the alumni committee of a local community college because I happen to be a, a community college alum from Owens Community College here locally. And so, um, you know, sometimes that's the best stop, uh, the best start for somebody and getting it started is a great way to go. So congratulations to him. I will pass that along for sure. I appreciate that. When you were with us before, you talked about how you got to Bowling Green State University and what you're doing there now. Let's talk a little bit about and kind of rewind from there. Prior to getting into higher education, rather, how did you make that move initially towards human resources? Yeah, good question. So, yeah, I consider my move into higher education to be my second career. Uh, you know that um, if you remember the Twitter chat a couple a couple of weeks ago, back in March, one of the questions was about how many careers have have you gone in, and I, I'm a believer that people have three careers or more, and this is my second career uh, towards higher education. But I spent um, first part of my career was was in corporate world, so I spent 20 years in corporate world. I spent seven years in the advertising industry, and I spent about 13 years in the market research industry. Now most of that early part of my career was focused in customer service and sales and, and then a lot of time in operations. Uh, at the same time, through all of that time, I was I was working on my education. So as I mentioned, I was a community college uh, uh, student. Took me three years to get that two-year degree because I was working full-time and then uh, and attended three different schools to, to earn my bachelor's degree, which took five more years. And, and in that time, uh, I was kind of taking classes and working um, a lot of those roles in, in customer service and sales and even in operations. And then it wasn't until one of those final classes in my undergrad, I took an educational psychology class. And it was kind of like this aha moment of, wow, I just really enjoy watching the growth of people grow and develop. And, and that whole field was really kind of fascinating to me. And here I am eight years into my educational career to get my four-year degree. Um, and I'm, I was kind of finding that path. So um, I have enrolled in graduate school shortly after that in the Master of Organization Development Program at BGSU. And I had to take a break because I was having children at the same time. So um, uh, eventually returned and graduated. But through that time, it was about 10 years of, of, of time to get my uh, all three of those degrees. And I can 
I worked full time all the way through in these different roles. And once I, uh, as I was kind of in that master of organization development pr- program, I really started to to find I was using a lot of that stuff in the work that I was doing. So I was leading some teams in our market research firm. Uh, and then finding ways to support training and development functions or learning development functions within the firm and really started to find that that's my sweet spot. That's where I kind of wanted to be. So I never really said human resources, um, but I always kind of was the learning and development part of HR or OD that kind of fits into the HR uh, or into the, yeah, the HR space. So um, I kind of always used those skills and the roles that I had, and then eventually uh, was leading the learning and development team um, in the market research firm I worked for. So uh, once I started doing that, I joined our local chapter and and then started to study for my certification test. <laughs> so then I definitely, uh, because I was part of the HR team, I really felt that, hey, I need to make sure I understand truly everything about the HR space or as much as I could. And so um, now I, I have since let my my certifications lapse, but I did have those certifications uh, through most of the 2000 through uh, 2010, probably until uh, 2016 or so uh, when I started working in higher ed. So I've uh, never been an HR generalist, uh, but I truly do understand the HR function. I support it, and I've always been an advocate, including the work that I do today. I'm an advocate for the HR space. Awesome. And, and kudos for getting the certification when you're not doing the work. <laughs> that That's a commitment right there, for sure. A little um, peripheral, right? A little peripheral to the HR space, right? So, it, uh, it, Well, you know, there's a lot of um, HR-adjacent folks that, you know, they they may not be doing that exact job, but know it, support it. So kudos, love it. So Tom, you know, talking about the, the graduate program, and we know that it is primarily remote learning. We've, you know, that's one of the um, exciting things about it. Um, but how did the pandemic affect your students? And what did you learn during the last year that you plan to apply going forward? Our executive programs are blended programs, as you kind of mentioned. So there's there's quite a bit of uh, remote learning or virtual learning already built into the program. And they've always kind of been that way. And they're cohort-based, right? So the students who uh, go through these programs go through in a cohort, uh, typically of 15 to 20 students. So even the students who had already previously started and were, were kind of rolling along, and then the students who just started their graduate programs in these formats, you know, they signed up to have some virtual work and these what we call residency weekends. And these residency weekends only happen a couple times a semester, two, um, typically about two times a semester. And frankly, our students were missing those weekends, <laughs> really, because they're, they're, they're so well connected and they learned uh, we like to say, you know, that they don't learn just with each other, but they learn from each other. And so, yeah, Zoom is fine. And we try, I mean, we used Zoom, um, you know, and, and those virtual components, but it just wasn't always the same, right? You got to give a lot of breaks on those weekends because we're already spending all week <laughs> on Zoom in our jobs. And then here we are trying to spend a weekend on Zoom um, so it did take a lot of work by our faculty to break up those experiences, giving uh, a, a lot of uh, uh, one-on-one time within those, because again, that's where a lot of that learning and and communication happens. So um, I think that uh, you know, we talk about what's the biggest challenge we had was really about that cohort model. How do we how do we continue to build that cohort model? 
remotely versus the you know four or five times a, a year a cohort would meet. Um, now, what I would say is that what did we learn through that? I, I think we learned that there's still there's lots of opportunity to be able to continue uh, to develop those remote learning opportunities um, with continuing and getting back, uh, hopefully soon. And the plan is for this fall that we would be back to these in-person weekends. So continuing that blended model of some of the virtual components with those um, opportunities to be able to have some connectivity individually, but then still have those residency weekends. And again, we're really looking forward to having our students back this fall in person. Um, I think they're truly looking forward to it. Um, They missed each other. They truly missed each other and seeing each other in person and really getting that opportunity to be able to learn with them with each other and from each other. So uh, we are looking forward to having everybody back uh, for their couple weekends in the fall. And, uh, and we'll, we'll continue to find a way to, to use those, those remote tools to, to give our students the best learning opportunities. Do you think there will be a difference in the students that started the program during COVID and those that were in already in the program when COVID started? So you've got students that maybe didn't know each other in person when COVID started. And so they have a different experience. It truly, um, as a matter of fact, we typically do our orientation in person. Cohorts that started in the fall of 20 did not have those in-person uh, orientations. And so what we are doing since they will be moving into their second year this fall is we are going to have them in for an extra day so they get that orientation time that they missed um, because I, we do feel that there was there's just a, you can definitely see the closeness between the cohorts who were in their second year and the cohorts who are that started in their first year. And so we know, we know that there's value in that experience. And so uh, if we can get them back, um, you know, in, and get them in person at all, no, they didn't sign up for an online program, but there are online programs out there and they're right for some people and they're not right for some other folks. And um, our folks didn't sign up for an online program, but that's kind of what they had to experience. Like we all did, right? Right, yeah. right. We all yeah. did. Oh, see, I was hoping you would say, oh, we're going to offer a, a, a total online program now so that some of us that aren't able to travel would be able to uh, to join the BSU, uh, BGSU team. <laughs> so, interestingly enough, though, we 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 launched an online MBA last January, and so this yeah. had been, of course, a year and a half planning, and it yeah. takes you know it takes a while to sometimes get through um, approval processes, not just through oh, the yeah. school but through the state. And we launched that online program, online MBA program, in January, and. It, of naturally within three months, uh, COVID hit and it grew very, very quickly. <laughs> so you can still get your BGSU experience in an online MBA if you want, Wendy. <laughs> Tom, we mentioned in your bio that you're active locally when it comes to workforce development, workforce readiness. You even co-hosted a chat with us on that topic earlier this year, not only for personal development, but also talking about that local development. How did you first get interested in it? And as you're working through the the committee that you're on, what's the biggest challenge you're seeing in your local area that you think is going to be there for the next several years? You know, really, workforce readiness just connects to my passion about learning and development, truly, and and getting the opportunity to be able to work with individuals either on an individual basis or in a group uh, group setting basis. So, um, you know, I I can remember 
kind of early in my career, I was teaching fifth grade junior achievement classes and teaching economics to fifth graders. But I always tried to change it up a little bit because I always thought they were, they were they're good, but I wanted to make them more interactive because I felt like kids, especially fifth graders, right? They, they have a hard time sitting in their seats for, for very long. So how do you get them up and learning? And so um, even doing that, and then I taught a, a 10th grade junior achievement class related to career exploration. And I was like, oh, wait, this is even better because now I'm a little, students are a little bit older and now I'm starting to show them a little bit about resumes and we're starting to talk about jobs and job interviews and, and starting to look at different careers. And again, I started to really find, hey, this, this stuff is great. And then at the same time, I started to uh, wanted to go back to the community college and the undergrad college and even BJSU to, to be a visiting instructor and talk about the real world, like <laughs> bring in the real world to the classroom. Um, and, um, and so just starting to, to get to work with a lot, most, again, mostly it was students that I was working with uh, because that's what I could associate well with and could relate to well. But, and, and then it started growing into helping people with job skills and job searching skills. Um, and, and, you know, now I serve as the workforce readiness chair for our local HR chapter and, and we've identified uh, five different populations that are in the region that we feel that we could have the biggest impact on. And it's our high school and college students. It's veterans who are in transition. It's people with different abilities. It's the returning citizens or the second chance hiring and then even that long term unemployed. And, and, you know, we have an incredible number of people who have this unbelievable ex- expertise around job placement and resume reviews and mock interviews. I mean, we, we have all this experience. And so uh, what, what we've kind of even done with our workforce readiness uh, group is to, to identify those five populations. And then we're not looking to develop new programming. A lot of new programs, a lot of programs already exist here in the region. Um, what we want to do is find out how do we, uh, as the HR experts in town, how do we support all these different organizations and programs that already exist? So we get it. We're, we're looking to support junior achievement with the work that they're doing locally, and we're looking at the the chamber and the work that they do with uh, veterans in transition, and then also with uh, second chance hiring. and And we just did a program for. Uh, after school program, a five module program for the these high school students who are doing career exploration who actually have a grant that will pay them to go work for a local employer. Um, so the local employer can hire these high school students to learn about jobs and they're paid by this grant, which is just incredible that you could bring in a high school student as an intern and not have to pay them because they're being paid by this grant. All these opportunities already exist, and so how do we use our expertise to be able to to share that? And then at the same time, it's about giving our HR professionals in the region some knowledge about what is out there already and what resources are available for them to uh, to to bring out new uh, hiring initiatives. So if you're struggling to find a new employees, have you looked at second chance hiring and how does that work? What resources already exist? You don't have to build this yourself. We have services here locally that can help you do that. Um, the same thing with uh, people with different abilities. We have programs who are already here in the in town who already have programs developed that you can tap in into. So, so it's a kind of a combination of both. We're we're trying to to help the local workforce and prepare people for work, and at the same time giving our HR professionals this opportunity to be able to learn and, and understand what resources are already available to them. So um, it's kind of a unique thing. 
here in our region, what do I think the biggest challenge is, is um, at least for, for Ohio and, and even in Michigan, there's something that they're calling it the high school graduation cliff. The population in Ohio has, has shrunk. And so there are fewer high school students. So that means there are fewer high school students who are graduating. Um, and so if that's what you're looking to grow your workforce from, there are fewer of them. So how are you, where are you going to find employees? I think there's also a big need in our market for vocational skills, um, the trades. The trades is a huge, and John, you would probably, <laughs> maybe probably validate that from from your region, but there's there's a need for, for those vocational skills and the trades here locally. And advanced manufacturing is another big one here in uh, in town. So, you know, I work in higher education, naturally. Um, and so, yeah, I, I love BGSU. I think it's a great school. I think students should go there, but it's not meant for everybody, right? University isn't meant for everybody. Um, and so um, having opportunities for, for people in our region to gain these different types of skills and to get work is, is something I'm really passionate about. If we can make a difference in our community, I, I really believe that's that's how you that's how you grow the whole economic development of your region. Some very great tips there. Very great tips. Love it. So Tom, you have been involved in the HR social hour community for a while. So how did you first learn about us and what keeps you coming back? I'm trying to remember, frankly, how I originally <laughs> learned about the HR social hour. It could have been via Twitter. It's definitely possible. At the same time, I'm a podcast junkie, um, self-proclaimed, by the way, podcast junkie. And so I, I enjoy listening to podcasts. And so um, it's possible I just happen to find the podcast <laughs> through looking uh, you know, for specific uh, topics or sp specific individuals. Um, I honestly can't remember um, how I found. But you know, what I've found, of course, with the, the, the podcast itself is just really great interviews, fun people. Some of the, the number of kind of the, even the breadth of, of individuals that you've talked to. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, come on, you just had, you know, invasion, the British invasion uh, last month. And, you know, just a, that's a fantastic opportunity to be able to learn from people around the world um, uh, related to HR and just about people. Um, you know, I'm kind of fascinated by, by, by human behavior in general. So those types of things, uh, that's part of the reason that uh, I found it. Now, why do I keep coming back? Well, it's a community aspect. Um, you know, I mentioned there's a few people along the way. I, I've, I've mentioned this to a couple of uh, people in the past. I have a friend who's, who is on Twitter. He's a local guy. He's, uh, he's on Twitter, but he's much more of a lurker <laughs> and uh, he's, he's an on HR guy, uh, but he doesn't tweet much, but he, but he, but he checks things out quite a bit. And uh, during a recent lunch, he commented about how he's watched this HR community grow <laughs> And he commented about, wow, you know, like I see this thing evolving kind of right in front of him. And he, he specifically referenced the HR fit crew um, and said, you know, even just watching the communication back and forth, it kind of motivated me to start working out again. And even something, I mean, that's something simple and he's not even an HR guy, but, but he happens to be a friend of mine and kind of lurks on Twitter. And um, I just kind of think that that's, that's, that shows that there's something special there. Um, and so it is kind of awesome to be part of a group that are supportive and, and are willing to help each other out. Speaking of great people, we elected this year to start getting other people to help us with questions. In this case, Gene Hobbs asks, what's the biggest life-changing decision you ever made on a whim? How would you think things would be different had you not made that decision? Wow. Uh <laughs> 
That's what we said. Yeah. I, I, I'd say in most cases, I don't do a lot on the whim. I'd like to say I'm I'm not risk averse, but I'm kind of cautious. You know, I make smart, risky decisions. <laughs> not uh, risk cognizant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Something like that. So, you know, I think that probably the craziest thing or the kind of the, the, Kind of biggest life changing decision that that we made, and and my wife and I made it to, together. Is so she got it offered an opportunity with the company she was working with at the time um, to move to Chicago and work for um, one of the sister companies. Uh, it was it was actually what wasn't in Chicago, but it was south of Chicago, and uh, she's from Northwest Ohio. Never left Northwest Ohio in terms of where she's lived. Uh, I went to five high schools in three different states, so picking up and moving, no big deal for me. Um, so um, I had been working for a Fortune 500 company for only about six months, and we were like, hey, let's just do it. We were kidless at the time. <laughs> let's just go for it and see how it goes. And um, so w- we did that, and um, I got an opportunity to work as a training, a trainer for a company, and then got some experience with that. And about 12 months later, one decade, uh, we decided we, it was time to move back. <laughs> so, so we weren't gone long, but you know, the, the opportunity to be able to get into that training environment to get some of that experience. Um, and it actually kind of helped me move into the market research industry because it was, uh, it was, it was kind of a related world. So I think if how things could have been different, I'm not sure if I'd have left that fortune 500 company. Um, maybe, maybe not, but I, I truly wouldn't have had probably the same opportunities to grow um, from, a, from at a professional standpoint, especially because when I moved back, they actually offered me an opportunity to come back and I chose not to go. So uh, <laughs> I, I kind of had my, my eyes set on a, a different avenue and a different career to kind of get myself into that learning and development field. So good question there, Gene. Tough one. <laughs> uh, we often say we're glad we were not answering those questions. So. <laughs> It is now time for everyone's favorite part of our show, which is the half hour question connection. What career did you dream of having when you were a child? Nobody's going to believe this. I don't think anyway. And there's a kind of a long story, but to be honest, when I was 12 years old, I said I wanted to be a teacher. So now that I work at a university and get to work with students every day, and I get to teach a little bit, of course, um, I've kind of met that goal. It just took quite a long time to get there. I think getting in a training counts, Tom. Yes. I think think you got there. You got there. You know, frankly, John, that's funny you say that because I decided back then that I was going to train, I was going to teach at work. That was kind of how I decided, hey, I I remember I wanted to be a teacher when I took that ed psych class. And and so I said, (laughs) hey, how about if I just start teaching at work? And then now I work at a university. So it's it's kind of hard to believe. Who's one person you've gained your network in the last year that you think more people should know? This is going to sound self-serving um, because it happens to be one of my colleagues at Bowling Green State University, but her name is Jennifer McCary. Now, I knew of Jennifer um, because she's been with the university for, for not quite as long as I have, but for a couple of years. But I really didn't get a chance to learn from her until the last year or so. Um, Jennifer is the chief diversity and belonging officer at Bowling Green State University, and she is absolutely amazing. Um, she's been a speaker for our local HR conference. And then she was recently a speaker uh, for our inclusion conference as well. And I've learned a lot from Jennifer. Um, She's done an incredible job making a difference on our campus and with our student body and and as well as our our community. 
Um, in fact, uh, I, I, I'd like to share this just because I attribute this to, to Jennifer, but one of the student comments on an evaluation from a class I taught last fall said, and I quote the student saying, Tom always reiterated the importance of a safe classroom and environment where everyone was not only included, but they belonged. And, you know, we talk about, on campus about diversity and belonging and, and wanting to belong. And so I attribute a lot of what I've learned in that space to, to my colleague, Jennifer. So uh, if you get a chance, she's got, there's some YouTube videos of Jennifer doing uh, some training sessions on bystander interventions and DEI topics. So she's incredible. Tom, how do you maintain balance? Well, to help keep my mental and, and health, uh, kind of health balance, it's no surprise to anyone who knows me, but I'm a runner. <laughs> um, and uh, so from that, I'd like to make sure I give that shout out to the HR Fit crew uh, and all of our uh, that group out there. It's it, it's great to have a, a group that supports each other and gives each other advice, even when it's, hey, I needed a couple days off, you know, and then still giving the support back. So, yep. So I got to get out. Uh, I'm going to say it takes three miles to burn the crazy off, right? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why I can't make it three miles. Oh, uh, well, <laughs> it, it just works for me. I, <laughs> three miles works for me. Some people need a walk, right? Um, but if I can get out for a three-mile run, it helps burn off the crazy, and then the creative stuff can come into play, right? <laughs> Tom, we talked about a few things in your bio. How do you enjoy giving back to the community? Well, I do speak regularly for some HR chapters and, and have even spoke at some of the state conferences. Uh, in fact, one of my coolest speaking experiences related to HR was that I was a speaker on the HR Cruise Conference. If you've not checked that out, make sure you check that out. It's pretty cool. Um, and we were at sea between Labadee, Haiti and Fort Lauderdale. So, I mean, uh, so I get to put that international speaker, I guess, title on it. <laughs> But, you know, I talked a little bit earlier about how I serve as the chair for workforce readiness for Northwest Ohio uh, HR uh, organization. Um, and then I also serve as um, the committee for the Toledo HR conference. Um, oh, I better not forget. Oh, and Tina Marie Wolfield would be incredibly disappointed if I forgot to mention that I also serve as the moderator for the HR Unite group here in Ohio, <laughs> or the first one here in Ohio. And then we've grown to a couple more. So another shout out to those HR Unite members. Awesome. I love it. Tom, what is your favorite movie? How do you guys limit people to two? That's what I want to know. Or to one or two. Like you say one. How about... So I'm going to give two um, because uh, I'm going to give two genres. Okay. Comedy, it's 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 Tommy Boy. Like, come on, it's Tommy oh. Boy, right? Tommy, me, Tom. No. Uh, and Chris Farley, of course, is, is absolutely amazing. It actually, the funny part is, is that it takes place in Sandusky, Ohio, just about an hour from here where Cedar Point is at. So, um, and then probably my other favorite one is um, uh, is Dead Poet Society. And, you know, when you think about the work that I get to do on a day-to-day -day basis with students, connect the, you know, the, the movie and the, some of the themes that, that fall within uh, Dead Poet Society is one of my favorites. And that also, you know, maybe is a generational thing, maybe. <laughs> so some of the people get it. Others got to look it up. What was the first concert you remember attending? I honestly can't remember the first one. Um, however, I think probably my first memorable one was seeing Metallica at the Palace of Auburn Hills up in Michigan. And um, it was incredible. Um, now, I can't say I was down in the mosh pit. 
because <laughs> we uh, we had special seating in that one. Um, but it was an incredible concert. And of course, then I should, of course, give another shout out right to the Metallica Monday crew, right, as part of the HR. <laughs> Tom, what is the last show you binge watched? Honestly, none. I, um, I don't really <laughs> binge watch any shows. And I think there's only two show series that I could ever admit to watching all episodes. Um, of course, The X-Files my favorite oh. show of all time um and i've probably seen all the episodes multiple times let alone um watching the series and then another kind of quirky strange show is bates motel um, i don't know if you ever had a chance to watch bates motel but it's it's basically the prequels to psycho the movie so okay. it's kind of interesting watching norman as a as a teenager so really kind of fascinating show that was on uh for a couple of years i think it was on a and e for a couple of years and it's kind of really interesting Tom, you mentioned running. What else is a hobby or a thing you really like to do that may surprise people? Who's got time to run if you're working and doing board meeting? No, it's not. so well, you uh, said three miles to get rid of the crazy, yeah. right? Or something. I think I heard that just a few minutes ago. I did. Did absolutely. So I don't know if it'd be surprising, but you know, I have two uh, two boys um, now. They're seventeen and nineteen years old, and. I've been a coach for basketball and soccer for both of my boys. And it's always been rec sports. So um, and it's always been on focus on you know a team and having fun. I joke that I don't really know that much about soccer and I know enough about basketball to be dangerous, but I'm a really good parent manager. Um, <laughs> and sometimes it's just about managing the parents so that the kids can have fun. And so yes. to me, those are big wins. And I thought last year was my last year coaching soccer when my oldest son graduated high school but um you know now he would like to coach and so he and i coach together so it's kind of interesting that we don't have a kid on the team but he and i are are, are coaching together and that's really kind of cool fun well tom as uh, you learned earlier we are outsourcing some of our work we want to know if you could ask the next guest of the podcast any question what would you ask um, as we know, I work with college students and sometimes high school students and uh, a lot through the workforce readiness space. So I would ask them, what two or three pieces of advice would you give to a high school or college student graduating today when it comes to choosing a career? So maybe we can ask John's son, Daniel, what he's thinking. <laughs> um, you know, what, what piece of advice would they give Daniel as he's graduating high school and getting into you know, planning his career? Well, it is in the book. We will be adding that to the list. <laughs> this is actually when I, you can't offer your own children advice, no matter what you've done for a career. Maybe I'll have you talk to Daniel. Maybe, maybe he'll listen to somebody else. That, <laughs> you know, John, either one what of do you. they say? What do they say? You got to leave your County, right? Once you cross the County line, you become an expert, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, something like that. Sometimes you just have to leave your house, right? Tom, again, we, we really appreciate you being part of the community, being so engaged, raising your hand to say, hey, let's take part in a chat and all the different things you've done with us over the last year. We really do appreciate it. I'm assuming many of the listeners are already connected with you. If they are not, best way for them to reach you out there. Yeah, best way. Um, I'm fairly active on LinkedIn. So it's um, it's under Tom Daniels. Uh, I think there's a, a couple of them out there. Just look for the big, bright orange Bowling Green State <laughs> University. You can't miss it, right? And um and on Twitter, um, it's Tom R. Daniels 419, which is our area code. And uh, be happy to connect with folks and always enjoy meeting new folks. Wendy, how about you? Best way for listeners to find you out there? 
Uh, best way is on my blog, mydailyjourney.com, daily deism dog, A-I-L-E-Y. And of course, the uh, second and fourth Sunday of each month, you will find me on Twitter at 7 p.m. Eastern time as part of our twice monthly Twitter chat. How about you, John? JohnThurman.com for all things John Thurman. And for the show, hrsocialhourpodcast.podbean.com. Listen, share, follow, whatever you do, everything you do for us. <laughs> we really, really appreciate international listeners. I just can't say it enough. I'm so appreciative of all of you. Yeah. And what we have seen May into June has been nothing short of astounding. Thank you. And please contact us. We'd mm-hmm. love to have you be part of this in this conversation. Yes. Tom will tell you it was fairly painless, even with technical <laughs> issues. Let's let's talk. We'd love to do that. Tom, again, appreciate being with us. So for the yeah. HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast, I'm John. And I'm Wendy. And as always, be sure to connect. Give back and network. network. Take care, everybody. We'll see you soon. <laughs>